We're going to have the Bible reading now, and our Bible reading this tonight is Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, to the end of chapter 2, uh, page 1442 in the Blue Church Bibles, and Helen is going to read the Bible for us tonight. Thanks, Helen. Jonah's Prayer. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me and deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me life up the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah into the dry land. I think you all know me. My name is Peter. And I am a sinner. And I'm in desperate need of God's grace this day. So please pray with me. Lord, may your word target every area of our lives, penetrating where we need your help most. May we delight in your creating, recreating and saving word right now. Please pierce our hearts so that we might be healed. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. If you're like me, you'll love a second chance whenever you fail. You'll want to prove yourself, prove that you can do it, that you are capable, that you can achieve. For some of us, each and every day is a second chance, a second chance to move forward in life. So it's not surprising that the God of the Bible has been described as a God of second chances. But is this an accurate description? Haven't we all blown our second chances a long time ago? By my rough calculations, I'm up to my 23,542nd second chance. Perhaps to say every day presents another chance is better. But God doesn't want us to view each day, each new day, as one more chance to redeem ourselves, one more chance to measure up, one more chance to strive towards perfection. 
Rather, each and every day is another opportunity to recognize grace. Grace is God's unearned, undeserved favor. Noah needs and receives God's grace. But will it be effective? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace to me was not without effect. This grace to me was not without effect. Will the grace gifted to Jonah and to us have the desired effect of radically changing our thinking and our living? Last week we saw that God wanted the Ninevites to know and to understand that he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he wants Jonah, reluctant runaway Jonah, rebellious Jonah, broken Jonah, undeserving Jonah, hypocritical Jonah, to speak the good news to the Ninevites. And in the process, God wants Jonah to receive grace and to be affected by grace, abundant grace. So we're going to look at chapter 2 in this way. Swallowed up by grace, vomited up by grace, Jesus swallowed up, Jesus, Jonah and us. Jonah is swallowed up by grace in the guise of a great fish. Jonah convinces the reluctant sailors to toss him overboard. And again, God intervenes. Having already sent the great storm, God now sends a great fish as a sign and a means of grace. Each time we come to the story of Jonah... People ask, are we to take this literally? Was Jonah actually swallowed by a great fish in the Mediterranean Sea? It's a good question, but I'd like you to park that, put that aside, because I think there's a more important question. And that is, is this true? Is this account of Jonah true? Well, it's God's word, and God doesn't lie. And then if we move on to Jesus in Matthew 12:40, Jesus uses this truth to speak about the then future his then future death and resurrection which we now know to be true. For as Jonah was 3 days and 3 nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be 3 days and 3 nights in the heart of the earth. Is it true? Yes, it's true. Let's return to our text. In verse 1, we see that Jonah prays. His prayer in verses 2 to 9 is presented in a poetic form and has reference to several of the Psalms. Some scholars suggest that verses 2 to 6 form a chiasm. Now, chiasm is a, a literary style that is often used by the writers of the Psalms. The name is derived from the Greek letter chi. And the way it works 
is like this. The outer verses, so in our case, verses 2 and verse 6, are similar. The next verses, 3 and 5, are similar. And those couplets draw our attention to the middle verse, verse 4. So, we have in verse verse 2, deep waters. A deep, sorry, in verse 2, it speaks of a deep underworld, the deep realm of the dead. You won't see it in your Bible there, but in the Hebrew, Sheol, which is a place of utter darkness. In verse 6, again, this deepness. He is deep down at the roots of the mountains and he's barred in forever. Jonah is going through a hell-like experience with no apparent escape. Verse 3 speaks of the heart of the seas, currents, waves, breakers. The sea is unleashing all its fury. And just as a side, note who Jonah sees as responsible for his predicament. Not the sailors, not himself, but God. You have hurled me into the depths. In verse 5, similarly, we see the sea theme. Engulfing waves, suffocating seaweed, total chaos. Surely he is doomed. And so our attention is drawn to verse 4 where we read this. I have been banished from your sight. This is utter abandonment. God has turned his back on Jonah. Or has he? Jonah is totally out of his depth, unable to save himself, and he has been justly banished. There is no way out. No way out unless the God who sent the storm in the first place, the God who heard the cry of the pagan sailors, the God who provided the great fish, unless he hears Jonah's cry, sees his distress and acts on his behalf. Unless God acts in grace... Jonah's apparent hope of looking again towards the temple will be no more. Will God's violent storm grace be followed by saving grace? The tone of the prayer changes, and perhaps the place of the prayer changes in the second half of verse 6. Let's look again together. Second half of verse 6 to verse 9. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up out of the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. I have vowed and I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Sounds like a good prayer, doesn't it? 
A lot of commentators see, see it as a model prayer. But is there something missing? Some scholars say, yes, it, it's good. It's got nine different sections of the Psalms. But there is no evidence of repentance. They also point out the egocentric nature of this prayer. Jonah uses I, me, my over 20 times in eight verses. Furthermore, his quotes from the Psalms in their original context were spoken by righteous sufferers who are innocent and are being attacked by the enemies for no apparent fault of their own. Jonah, on the other hand, has brought this upon himself. Jonah goes down to the depths, but again he's the recipient of God's grace. For in verse 10, we read that the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto dry ground. He has experienced God's grace. But will he allow this grace to shape his life into the future? Will his experience change his worldview? Will it change his thinking? Will daily Jonah turn to God? Or will occasionally he continue to take a holiday from God? Jonah comes up. He is vomited up as evidence of God's grace. Now it might surprise you, but there are a number of exciting references to vomit in the scriptures. My personal favourite is this one from Proverbs 26.11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. It's a personal favourite because I know it's just so true about me. Will we see it true about Jonah in coming weeks? With regards to being vomited up, vomited out, the verses tend to refer to people under God's judgment. For example, in Leviticus 20:22, 20, keep all my decrees and laws and follow them so that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And then at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 3, speaking to the church in Laodicea, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to vomit you out of my mouth. Jonah is swallowed up and vomited out. This is harsh, harsh discipline. And at the same time, it's wonderful grace. It's amazing mercy. Jonah is not condemned to Sheol. He's not condemned. Another will be condemned in his place. Jonah is graciously rescued. He has shown a severe mercy. A severe mercy. 
Will Jonah be a changed man, a new man? We'll have to wait and see. Jesus is also swallowed up, but not by a great fish. Jesus is swallowed up by by death. So if we turn back to Matthew 12.40, we see that Jesus is saying, like Jonah, he will be swallowed up for three days. Jonah had a hell-like experience. Jesus would descend to the very depths of hell itself. He will be utterly, totally abandoned by God. And we see this in Gethsemane. As he's praying to his father before he goes to the cross, he's speaking of a cup and he knows what this cup is all about. This is the overflowing cup of God's righteous anger. His wrath that will be poured out for the punishment of sin. The sin of the world. My sin, your sin. And Jesus knows that although he is the sinless son of God, he will bear the full force of that fury. A few hours later on the cross, and Jesus is swallowed up by darkness. The whole land is. Darkness covers the land from midday to about 3 p.m. This is bushfire darkness, but much worse. Because from this darkness comes this haunting cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Father is turning his back on his son. His beloved son. Why? Why? So that through his death and resurrection, we can both experience saving grace and understand that grace is designed to give us new life. New life. A life that is to be daily shaped by grace. Jonah didn't die. Jesus did. Jonah was not abandoned. Jesus was totally abandoned. Jonah didn't go to hell. But Jesus did. Jesus does this. He's prepared to go through this anguish, this torment, this hell for each of us. God turns his back on his own dear son for all the times we've turned our backs on God. Yet amazingly, this means that even if we are running from God or sneaking away, we can turn to Jesus. And he will forgive and embrace. Moreover, he will do it at absolutely no cost to us. Such is the extent of God's grace and love. Why did Jesus suffer God's wrath and abandonment to hell? So that you and I can be saved from having to suffer that for ourselves. <laughs> 
That's why it's safe to confess our sin, our hypocrisy, our Jonahness. Jesus was swallowed up by death. He submitted himself to violent grace for us so that we might know saving grace. Jesus was swallowed up by death so that along with the Apostle Paul, we can shout out, death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in Christ's victory. Jesus was not vomited out in some sort of judgment, but raised up to glorious life so that he can display to an undeserving world the riches of God's grace. Will the grace gifted to Jonah have the desired effect of a changed life? We'll see over the next couple of weeks. Or maybe not. Maybe we won't see. Will the grace gifted to us result in changed and changing lives? Here are a few thoughts to ponder in this regard. God calls broken people. We are all broken people like Jonah. But God has not cast us overboard. He is willing to lead us each and every day. Even if it means he has to lead us through a severe mercy or two. The amazing thing is that your brokenness, my brokenness, in the hands of God can be restorative. Restorative in us. And others, as we surrender our will, walking with him rather than keeping him at arm's length, walking with him instead of keeping him at a distance or turning our back. God calls broken people just like us to do his amazing work of grace. Each day is another chance, not to try harder, not to do better, but to freely receive grace. The scriptures tell us in Lamentations, God's mercies are new each morning. Each day is a gracious gift to be lived with God, with God. Adam and Eve in the garden walk with God in the cool of the day with God their sin separated them our sin no longer does if we trust in the Lord Jesus we have the opportunity of walking with him each day each day we have a choice about how we are going to approach the day we may not run away from God like Jonah and I can't speak for you but for myself often the momentum of the day just sweeps me up and carries me along and so I come self-absorbed 
and absorbed in tasks. And it's like God doesn't care. It's like God doesn't exist. Like Jonah, we can be recipients of grace, yet not be open to the changes that God desires in our life. Each day is an opportunity to learn to pray. To pray, not my will, but your will be done. To pray that and mean it. And if we do, one day at a time, each day at a time, surrendering our lives to God, acknowledging both God's greatness and grace, and our weakness and willfulness, we will notice that we are indeed being led along to walk with Him. Turn to God today. We all need to turn to God today because without Him there is no hope. Without Him there is no grace. If you have experienced God's saving grace by trusting Jesus, you need to turn to Him again now and give Him thanks and praise, rejoicing in that, in that grace. And seeking to allow him to work in you so that you live a grace-shaped life in the future. If you haven't yet experienced God's grace by surrendering your life to Jesus, you need to turn to him now so that your sin, your guilt, your shame can be dealt with. So that death can be swallowed up in victory for you. We all need to turn back to God by fixing our eyes on Jesus. God's gracious gift of himself, of himself to us. Please pray with me. Loving Father, I declare that I am Jonah. But I praise you for the gift of faith that comes by grace through your Son. Father, thank you for the new life that you want to give each of us. Please help us to grow into that new life clothed with the righteousness of Christ and putting on each day those things that will draw us closer to you. Father, we commit ourselves again to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.